Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Patrice Marie, and her name didn't used to be Patrice Marie, but she changed her name like I changed mine. I know many of you know the story about adding the K to my name and having a new identity shift, and Patrice did the same thing. She actually dropped her last name because she went through an identity shift as well. How are you, Patrice? I'm doing great, Sarah. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here and uh, talking with you and your audience. Awesome. So tell us, you escaped an abusive relationship, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I use the word escape very intentionally. And uh, the reason is when you're married to somebody who's like, manipulative and on the narcissistic spectrum, um, you have to, it has to be an escape. It's not an easy exit, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the funny thing about my marriage to this person is I tried to call the wedding off like a week before the wedding. So my intuition was kicking in even back then. And uh, he manipulated, you know, I wanted to be married, you know, I was in my late 30s. I'm, I'm not blaming it totally on him. I, I mean, I really had a strong desire. I really wanted to be married, right? So I wanted to believe whatever he was saying to convince me that we should go through the wedding. I mean, I told him I was ready to call everybody and say, it's off. <laughs> and uh, so he, you know, Make sure that didn't happen. So, so the wedding happened, and um, over the course of time, we were married for uh, well, seventeen years. But sixteen, I left at at the sixteen year mark, and then we were divorced later. But I would occasionally see um, things about his personality that I know nobody else saw, and. You know, it's kind of like bully behavior. Like they do it when nobody else is watching, right? That's really important to note because sometimes people say, do toxic people know what they are doing? And that's usually what I say is yes, because if they did it when everyone was watching, people would look down on them. So if they know to save it till no one is watching, then they know what they are doing. That's a good point. Uh, I I would like to add, and I totally agree with that. I would like to add, though, their self-awareness level is like zero. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So even though they might know that they're intending to do this and doing it on purpose, they don't really have an awareness of like how awful they're being, right? Mm Or don't care. One. (laughs) Or don't care. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So. he kept that side of him pretty well hidden. And honestly, to this day, I think I'm the only person on the planet that saw him for who. Now, I want to back up a little bit and say that my view of life is a very spiritual view. And so I believe that and it wasn't always this way but i believe that we both chose 
our parts to play before we came to Earth. And I chose to marry a man who was exactly like my covert narcissistic father, who 25 years after his death, I realized that he's a narcissist. And that's why my mother was so miserable. But because no one ever saw him doing it, she was the one that looked like, you know, the awful one. But he like altered her personality by the way he treated her. So your dad altered your mom's personality? In yes. Being a covert narcissist. Okay. Yes. And um, I did not realize any of this until, until I figured out that, well, my mom said when she met my ex-husband, first thing she said to me, he reminds me of your father. Now she liked my ex-husband because she probably saw the side of him that was, you know, charming about him like her husband. The side of him that he wanted people to see. She saw the side of him he wanted people to see. Mm -hmm. Well, the side every single person on the planet sees except me. (laughs) Now, um, so, so there was definitely like a vibration situation going on where that was a comfortable uh, scenario for me to you know, uh, my dad was full-blooded Italian, so I'm half Italian, and uh, my ex-husband was full-blooded Italian. Actually came, uh, ironically and strangely enough, from the same town in Italy. Like this oh, that's Italy. interesting. Yeah, and so, like, I cooked, you know, I'm a good Italian cook, and I cooked, like, you know, all the good cooks in his family. I'm like, you know, I'm right, I'm right up there with them, right? So, anyway... Um, so it was just a very comfortable vibration to be in for me because he was so much like my dad and I was a daddy's girl, right? So um, I had to work through that whole 25 years post-mortem uh, blaming my dad for what he did to my mom, right? Mm. And uh, both my parents are gone now and I would love, you know, I believe mom hears me in spirit. I-, I think she's with me all the time. She's like one of my... Uh, one of my overseers <laughs> and so she knows that I know what was going on with with her and her marriage and so anyway um another funny thing about my parents I was the only one they said one day when I was 19 I was still living at home I'm the youngest of five so no one else is there and everyone else had moved out and my mom said they were getting to and they never uh my dad never said boo he just stood there and my mom talked and of course I was like devastated uh, even though I was a young adult it was very disturbing to me you know what Sarah they never got to divorce and none of my none of my siblings ever heard of this even inkling of my mom wanting to get nobody knew mm-hmm. I was the only one that so what happened? My dad manipulated her into staying, right? <laughs> so how did you come to terms with your own divorce? Um, did you struggle with it for years? Was it a pretty easy decision for you? I can probably guess the answer, oh but God. I'm going to say the answer. <laughs> it, was, it was such an easy decision. And the way I kind of discovered what I was really dealing with, with my ex-husband, my girlfriend uh, was going through a divorce and her husband was an overt narcissist, right? Now, overt and covert, obviously, are two opposites. And But the funny thing was, 
because we're talking about narcissism, the underlying truth of it and the current of it or whatever started resonating with me and my story. I'm like, you know, I started looking at my relationship differently because of my girlfriend's story. So that's why I think it's important to put our stories out there because it will resonate with somebody that maybe is just the lights are just starting to come on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and he, I was his second wife and his first wife never caught on. That's why I say there's nobody else on the planet that has seen that side. Why did he get divorced his first, what happened with the first marriage? The first, the first wife moved out one day and got her own apartment and I did the same thing. I'm like, well, well, that's interesting, (laughs) you know, but I think she moved out because he kind of battered her self image and she thought that she wasn't like worthy of him. That's what I think. Oh, that's so sad. That's think I could be wrong but um yeah there's a whole story about her and she introduced me to him and uh, we were living in the same apartment complex and uh, we were sort of friends and then not then afterwards she got real weird about it so that was a whole other story but um oh that poor woman oh yeah so so how did you end up leaving okay so I was going to a very patriarchal uh, Christian church at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went to the leadership there telling them that now his abuse was no, nothing physical, right? Mm-hmm. The other, you know, psychological, emotional, mental, all that, but not physical. So I went to the leaders at the church and they like sided with him. Wow. Big, big, uh, Big surprise in the patriarchal structure like it was, right? Well, I've heard that story so many times, and it's just, you know, if you don't, even if you had bruises, you know, they would probably say something along the lines of, well, he didn't have a weapon. You know, whatever it is, they would be, they would move the line a little farther. Like, well, but he didn't cut your arm off. Well, but he didn't permanently damage your face. Well, but he didn't. I mean, it's really... Oh, such a sad story with so many people trying to get help from their church. Oh, God, that that's a whole other topic that is really, uh, you know, just rather disgusting that Mm -hmm. um, here's a whole subculture of people that have been wronged by their church in this fashion and similar other fashions. So. um, So, you know, that was like tragic to me because I was very involved in my church and had friends there. And so, you know, as soon as I realized they were doing that, I was like, I'll never darken the door of that church again. You know, you can kiss my ass basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but what happened was I blew his cover, right? With the church people of all people <laughs> to blow his cover with. And so he, he started ramping up the abuse big time, big time. And the other thing uh, about my story is I had a mental illness at the time. Now, he had a hard time being like sympathetic with me during that. And I think I I was thinking about you and I talking today and thinking about this part of of the story. And 
I wonder if it's because he wasn't the center of attention, right? That I required a little bit more attention than normal. I guess I was pretty low maintenance on the attention scale uh, until I got sick, right? And then I, I think, I don't know what happened, but he just started between that, me being sick and me going to the church, did all kinds of stuff. And everybody else saw it, you know. And sometimes he would do stuff in front of our kids and they didn't even know he was doing it because one of his um, one of his tactics is playing dumb. Have you heard that one? I'm sure you probably mm-hmm. have. Oh, uh, yeah. So, and it's really, they get to define reality. If they play dumb, it's really, you know, obviously gaslighting. And so they act like, well, I didn't know that would bother you. I didn't know you'd be upset by that. I didn't know that would do that. Uh, but it's really defining reality. Well, and the and other thing, getting, uh, mm-hmm. thing it does is it masks their deviousness, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their treachery. It masks it because how could you ever think this person who, you know, I used to say to him from time to time, you have a college degree and you don't understand this. Like just some, some random topic we were talking about. And, you know, so that was one of his tactics was like dumb. And it's really funny how like even our children, you know, as kids from another marriage, they, you know, like our one daughter, she's like, no, he's not that smart, mom. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I don't say anything to my daughters about the things you and I are talking about right now because, you know, I don't want to poison their mind against him. And again, I chose to marry him before I came to earth, right? Now, I also was banking on myself, figuring it out and getting out of that marriage, which I did. So what was the final straw when you said, I'm leaving, I'm done, the end? What was your final straw? Well, you know, I never said that to him, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to say it to myself, not to him. Um, but I, I remember we were in a counseling session that the, you know, the stupid church was paying for. And... I, I couldn't even be in the same room with him because he was so phony to me. And, you know, he was, he was like really playing, playing his part. And, and I saw him do it. So the counselor said, well, I'll give you half an hour and give him half an hour. So that way, you know, you don't have to talk when he's there. So as soon as I did that, I said to the counselor, I'm divorcing. And the counselor's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a big, you know, that's a big decision. And, you know, you, you want to think about that. It's a life, you know, big life decision. I said, there's nothing to think about. I'm divorcing. And, and then I just, you know, figured out a way to get out of there, get out from underfoot and um, get a lawyer. And, but, you know, the thing was, Sarah, I, um, I was sick at the time, right. And I wasn't working. So, I didn't have any of my own money. So how did I do it? <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's like determination and using your intuition and just pushing through to get the result that you want. Right. I'm like a bulldog. So I found a landlord that would rent me without, without anything, basically. Hmm. I, 
I don't know why he rented to me, only that the universe was in my favor, right? <laughs> and like, I had this lovely apartment. It was a one-bedroom apartment right by the pool in a nice, um, you know, a nice apartment complex, not too far from where we lived, about 10 minutes away. And, um, you know, I did end up getting income and the ability to pay the rent, but I didn't have it when I was making these plans. I just make that. So that's important to know. It's kind of like um, you build the plane when you jump out of the, you know, you, you figure out the parachute once you jump out of the plane. And right. that's what I've heard from so many women. I mean, there were some strategic choices you made, finding another place to live, contacting a lawyer, some of those things. Um, but I think women trying to decide if they're going to stay or should they go, there's this assumption that, well, all the people who left, it was really easy for them. All the people who got out, it was because they didn't face the same challenge as I am or, you know, they, they didn't, they had all kinds of money or they had all kinds of support or, all, and I just hardly ever hear that story. Um, usually there's some conflict with a church body or a community or something else. And then there's some struggle, whether it be a financial struggle, career struggle, a kid struggle, a dog struggle, you know, um, and I think that's important to point out that the, women who have left, they had to figure out a plan that included some difficult decisions. It wasn't just easier for them to leave. Oh my God, no, it was not easy at all. I mean, I, you know, I lost my house, my, uh, my friends, my church, my, I didn't really lose my children, but they, you know, the, the relationship was strained. Um, I was hoping my younger daughter, who was still living at home, was 16 uh, that she would want to, you know, come stay with me part-time and she didn't, she just wanted to be in the house, in her room and not, you know, not in my little, little one bedroom apartment, which was honestly all I could afford. If I could have gotten a two bedroom, I would have, but, um, I, I knew I had to do this for me. And I want to tell you, my story comes full circle with my two daughters and, I didn't, I just realized this a couple of months ago and I want to share it with you. So, so my mom, oh, so my dad chased my mom for seven years before she married him, right? So she was like, she was in his trap. She wasn't, she wasn't going to get out without marrying this guy. And she tried to divorce him and could. So I tried to get out of the marriage before it happened and I was not successful escaping, but you know, I escaped it by the skin of my teeth with like no money hawking my engagement ring because it meant nothing to me anymore. And I, I just, you know, I just needed to be free. And so um, both of my daughters who are young adults had two different relationships that were not a good match for them. They weren't treated any, 100% the way they should be. And my older daughter was engaged to somebody else for three years, this person who wasn't always nice to her. And she's married to a great guy today, who, by the way, stood in the wings for three years while she was engaged to Tom. And my other daughter had a boyfriend. We thought she was going to marry him, and he was doing something that wasn't right. And she left him, and now she's with a great guy. So 
I want to take a little bit of credit here for being the example to both of my daughters that you love yourself first and do what's best for you first. And then you're not going to put up with that trick. Well, I love that. And when you said something about, you know, I had to leave for me, I thought, and you're leaving for that daughter. Even if she does stay in that house, you're still leading her by example. You're leading her by breaking the cycle. Your mother's cycle was much longer. Yours was shorter. And now your kids are even shorter. And so hopefully your grandkids don't even have to deal with it. Right now, as you're saying that, because really they broke out of the cycle. The cycle is gone now. Right. They broke out of the cycle because you did the hard stuff first. Yes, I do. And that's credit. (laughs) You should take credit and I'll give you credit because I hear so many women say things like, I'll say, you know, are you worried your daughter is going to end up repeating your pattern? And they'll say, oh, no, my daughter is stronger than me. And it's one of the most heartbreaking statements that I hear from women because I said, oh, so you're taking the easy way out. You're just going to put it, you're going to put this burden, this, this breaking the cycle on your child. Yeah. That's not fair. You're the parent, you know, right. and there's this, there's so many of us um, who have heard, oh, you have to stay for the kids. That's but I see so I many. To tell you this part because <laughs> that's always in the face of that. You are doing it for your kids when you're doing what's best for you. Sorry to interrupt, but. Oh, no, no. <laughs> because you're showing your kids, you're leading them by example, right? You're telling them not to put up with toxic, manipulative, gaslighting, abusive behavior. And you led your children by example, not just saying, well, marriage is forever. You know, I don't want to break up the family. I'm scared. Right. My, my ex-husband probably is shocked that I divorced him because I was a big follower of the Bible. I have a four-year degree in the Bible. I mean, I don't read it anymore. I've, I've, you know, kind of grown past that spiritually, but, um, you know, he, he thought that because the Bible said it, that I was not going to go anywhere. And he found out that, you know, my intuition kicked in and my self-love kicked in and, the funny thing about my daughters not being part of that cycle is I, I still don't think they see that about their dad, right? Mm-hmm. But they still, so my example was kind of unconscious to them. Well, and I want to say your husband thought or your ex thought the, you know, the Bible said it, but he missed the part about loving your wife as Christ loves the church or yep. having a gentle and meek spirit or not lying or you know, all these other things. Yeah, that the Bible exactly. Also says. Exactly. You know, and I think um, the best part of the Bible that I have seen people who transition from believing the Bible or, and then moving to a more spiritual path is still the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You're a girl who knows her Bible. I am a girl. I was a preacher's kid. Yeah, I know my Bible well. Okay. Uh, yeah, but, but that's, you know, it, 
I know it. Yes. Uh, but that piece can still resonate. And, uh-huh. you know, yeah, the Bible says, let's not get a divorce. But what about being peace, being self-control, being joy, being gentle of spirit? These are things that uh, toxic that I hope the church starts to recognize when when a woman comes forward and says, you know, I have some real concerns in my marriage. The only Bible verse that counts is not God hates divorce. That can't be the only Bible verse that counts. It can't be the most important one. There are other Bible verses in context. And, and you know, God can hate divorce because of what it does to everybody, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. Well, divorce is terrible. I mean, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of reasons for God to hate divorce. It is terrible, but it doesn't mean that sometimes it's necessary. Um, Surgery is terrible. You know, getting your heart cut out is terrible. Having your brain cut open could be terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Patrice, thank you so much for joining us. Tell people where they can find more out about you. Well, you can find me on um, on the web at patricemarie.com or you can um, shoot me an email at patrice at coachwithpatrice.com. Awesome, Patrice. Thank you for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Of course. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Are you loving the Toxic Person Proof podcast? Don't forget to check out the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself again. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.